0: Welcome to Torpedo Swim Talk. Today's guest is five time FINA Masters World Champion and UK sports consultant Helen Gorman. There you go, Bob.
1: Hi, Helen. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. Very exciting to be speaking to Australia on a rainy day today.
0: Oh, lovely. We've we've had a terribly hot day today, actually 33 degrees. So it'd be nice to get some rainy, cold weather just
1: to break the cycle. Um, very happy to send it over it's sticking (laughs) to my window that i'm attempting to look out of right now
0: where are you coming to us from in wales
1: Uh, i'm in cardiff i'm about uh just about a mile from the castle which i've seen a lot in the last year with lockdown um and a huge city park so pretty decent place to live really
0: yes and
1: how long has it been since you've had a swim oh uh legal one or an illegal one um <laughs> legally we, legal clo- one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we closed on I think the 20th of December but I'd got a track and trace so I'd been out a little bit before that so yeah sometime in the week before Christmas was the last time our pools were open here um after having been opened and closed between May uh, March and Well, closed completely from March till August and then on and off between September and December.
0: Right. And so how are you keeping yourself fit at the moment in lockdown?
1: Um, At the moment, it's pretty cold. We've had a decent amount of snow. Um, It's just rain today. Um, So it's kind of difficult. Um, We're only a few miles from the sea, but it's too cold. Um, So it's just uh, I've got a little mountain bike. and daily zoom classes with my uh, the rest of my swim club we we're pretty much all teenagers and me leaping around our kitchens and our living rooms doing all sorts of uh crazy new stretches that the coaches have decided we ought to try
0: <laughs> so when you, when you're not in lockdown you obviously train with teenagers and how how often do you train each week
1: um i was doing about 10 hours a week, but when we had our break between lockdowns, I got overexcited that I needed to swim at every possible moment. I was doing a little bit more. Uh, wow. I think it was a bit too much for me, but um kind of glad I did it now that we're we're out the pool again. But, yeah, I normally do five two-hour sessions a week, um, and I kid myself that I'm going to do some land work, but it's pretty limited when I'm doing 10 hours of swimming.
0: Yeah, that's a lot, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Did you, did you swim as a youngster?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm one of the, you know, the era of big training volumes and 20 hours a week plus whatever else on a swim bench and stretch cords and yeah. gym and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I think a lot of us have had that background as master swimmers.
0: Yeah, and who did you train with back in the good old days?
1: Um, my coach was actually the current GB head coach, Bill Furness, um, and I swam at uh, a club in in Nottingham in England um, from being age ten. It was a, a, a kind of a county elite type squad um, until I was twenty seven. Apart from three years in America, um, so yeah, I spent all of my growing up years there, and I absolutely loved it. It was a, a great club. Um, Becky Adlington was from there. She got okay. a double Olympic gold in 2008. Um, we pretty much always put somebody on an Olympic team. Um, and our women's team were by far the best in the country. We'd always win the Great Britain team championships. We had all of the club uh, national records on the relays. Um, it, you know, it's a great thing to be part of it. really, I absolutely loved it.
0: It sounds marvellous. And the three years you spent in America, um, was that at a US college?
1: Uh, Yes. Um, So I swam at the World University Games in Buffalo in New York in 93. And there was um, a couple of swimmers on the team that were at the University of Arkansas. Um, And so one of their coaches got accredited to help the Great Britain team. Um, And I got along with him really, really well. I really liked him and... He really helped me when I was over there um, I swam really well um actually has swam against a few people that I then swam against again many years later in Masters um and okay. he just said why don't you why don't you come over why don't you come to Arkansas so I was considering actually getting back on a plane when I got back from from Buffalo and and going to Arkansas a few weeks later but my coach uh Bill talked me out of it he said um you need to stay home for another year and try to make the Commonwealth Games team. Um, and if you don't make it, then go in, in 1994 um, and that's fine. But he said you really need to give it a, a go to try and make the team um, and then go if you still want to. So that's what I did.
0: Yeah. And what stroke um, or what event were you aiming for for the Commonwealth Games? Was that the medley? Yeah.
1: Uh, the to breaststroke. Um, I yep. yeah I did I did came I came third at the English trials, but I was I think I was slightly on the wrong side of the qualifying time, so I didn't I didn't make it to the team. But it was kind of nice that I'd got a consolation that I was going to be flying out to Arkansas. So it was still something new in my swimming career that kept me interested. I was twenty one at that point, um, so it was just some I think. You know, you get to that age and you've been in the same club, in the same pool for 11 years. I just kind of felt like I needed to try something different.
0: Yeah, it's a a completely different experience for you.
1: It really was. I remember um, I flew on a a full-size proper aeroplane to Dallas. I was like, yeah, this is cool. I can deal with this. (laughs) And then the plane that we got from Dallas to Fayetteville in Arkansas, it was this tiny little propeller plane. And I'd never, ever been on a plane like that before. And we flew in um, over Arkansas and all I could see was trees. I couldn't see anything. There was very little. Uh, I think it's developed a lot more now. Um, But I flew in and my first thought was, what have I done to myself? Where am I? Um, You know, uh, most kids that go to the college in the States, they do a recruiting trip. So they go out and, you know, they get an all expenses trip and just to see if they, you know, they're going to gel with the team and if they like the campus and they you know they go and maybe talk to some tutors um whatever they do but I hadn't done that because you know flying to America when you're in the middle of training doesn't really work um no, so yeah I got there and you know I'd, I'd got a very very good friend from back home was over there so I would got that safety net but I didn't know any, I hadn't really done much research at all but uh you know these things work out and Yes, it was very different to home, but that was part of the beauty of it, really. Yes. Who was the head coach there in Arkansas at the time? Well, that's kind of, yeah. I mean, that's it's, Arkansas now. I've got a fantastic head coach, and I wish I could go back. But um, when I was there, um, I don't know if you know Title IX in the States, where um, they have to have equality between male and female scholarships. Um, so to level up, the you know, offset the fact that you've got a hundred guys on a football team getting a scholarship, they got rid of the men's swim team. Right. Um, so Arkansas was really in a transition period. I got there and the head coach was Martin Smith, who was a British Olympian. Um, and I was coached by um a guy called Pete Ward, who was a Canadian um Olympic finalist on Tuna Fly. Right. Um but after a year, Pete got a job up north somewhere. Uh, Martin was coaching us and then he left and we had another coach come in and I think that kind of in in my third year there trying to adapt to another new coach was quite difficult and I I think we only had seven swimmers on the team Um, so it wasn't you know and by that point I was 24 and actually um, just started to make the most of my experience in the States I would think actually got out and saw a bit of where we were living and met some different people who weren't swimmers um and just kind of enjoyed myself for my final year and you know I had some fantastic friends over there one you know the, the diving team were probably my my main friends and those guys are crazy. Um so <laughs> I, I know. loved to and I, you know, I loved doing our workout and then going and doing the divers workout and they thought it was funny that I could do their jumps and <laughs> um which I need to remember now when I don't like doing jumps but um one of them got a job in Hollywood and she worked on the on Twilight oh
0: um, wow
1: which I um I went to stay with her actually after the world masters in in Montreal um okay so you know I just really enjoyed being around some cool people and I went up to Montreal when we finished school and spent a couple of months there with with her so um, yeah it was, the last year really was fun things and I thought that was me done for swimming but uh came back to Britain and um, I got persuaded by Bill that I he needed me to swim the hundred breaststroke in the medley relay at nationals so right. and we'd had a new we'd had a new pool um, so instead of this Victorian awful pool that we all loved um with string lane ropes or no lane ropes with high sides it was like swimming in the sea so instead of having that We'd got this beautiful eight-lane, 25-metre pool with glass all around it. And, uh, you know, Bill's standing there saying, I need you in the relay and there's a beautiful new pool. So I was, I was straight back in and carried on swimming. So, oh, wow.
0: um,
1: Yeah, fun times.
0: Yeah. Did you take a break after that before you got into Masters or did you go straight through, you've never had a break?
1: Uh, I, I had a break but only through illness and um, illness. You know, I was in my late 20s, um, and I had another crack at trying to have another crack at Commonwealth Games. Yes.
0: Um,
1: and I was actually swimming really well. But um, at that point, I'd got a part-time job. Um, I uh, love naps more than anything, I think. Um, and nap, nap time was uh, sitting in a office, dark office time. And you just don't get that recovery. And I think um, yeah. I'd already spoken to Bill about dropping down from 10 sessions a week to 8 which was working um and I'd had a you know really good strength coach in Arkansas so I'd put a little bit of muscle on um so I was stronger and uh, you know you, you don't need to train as much um and I just I got glandular fever and I was really sick with it um I was in and out of hospital tests for about 9 months and you know chronic fatigue and everything I mean I really it really affected me for a long time um yes. so when i stopped swimming i i tried to do lots of other things but i i actually went to european masters in 2001 i think it was in in majorca and i swam the hundred breast and it was so awful like seriously awful i just <laughs> dropped out of all of my events and drank beer for a week um
0: oh, really?
1: <laughs> but, but um <laughs> i went i stayed in an apartment with maggie kelly um who broke world records in the 40 to 44 age group. And I was there screaming at the top of my voice. And, you know, I just loved watching her and I just loved seeing what Masters was about. Um, But I kind of thought that was me done, that if I didn't train 20 hours a week, then I wasn't actually any good and I couldn't possibly try and swim off less. So that was pretty much the end of my attempt at trying to swim. and then. I didn't get back in the pool till 2012.
0: Right. Oh wow. That was a big, a big gap then, wasn't it? Yeah. And when 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 you came back to the pool in 2012, had your mindset changed between the kind of training you'd done then, which is hard to let go of, isn't it? That kind of training that you have as a youngster when you're doing all those miles and the the big amounts of sessions to come and be a master swimmer and not do as many sessions. Did, did you have trouble with that mindset or were you happy just to um, like drop drop down
1: well what happened was um in 2008 i decided it had been 10 years since i'd done a 200 breaststroke um yeah. so i was going to go to the british masters and i i looked so i was in the 35 to 39 age group um i'd looked at the the british record and i think it was 248 or something and um i thought you know maybe maybe I can try that. And I'd been doing triathlon and I played water polo for a little while and done some open water. So it's not like I'd been completely out of the water. Um, and I thought I'll go and have a go. And um, Maggie again, and Maggie's kind of a. I I think Maggie's probably largely responsible for me doing masters because she was coaching me when I was 11 and went off to the Olympics at 31. So I, I think I always thought actually swimmers don't have to be 17, 18 Um, Maggie said yeah you you can do that easily and I thought oh you're so lovely you know you think everyone can do everything but yeah I'm not sure (laughs) and um so I kind of coached myself for a couple of months and um another guy who was the assistant at at Nova a good friend of mine Jamie Main who's got some great summers now he would turn up with his stopwatch a little early for the squad sessions and he'd do some pace 50s with me and um he'd be like yeah you look great you're gonna smash it I'm like yeah okay you're too nice um but I did. I went and swam a 242, mm. and uh, oh wow, which was a, Euro- a European, yeah, it was a European record. And I was kind of like, wow, maybe I'm not completely uh, useless in the pool anymore, and I can do it with a little less training. But um, I think it went the wrong way because then I thought I didn't need to train at all, and um, <laughs> there were some pretty poor, poor races in club events. And um, I think by 2011, I decided that I needed to get back. And train uh, within a club, or I just needed to, you know, give it up completely. Um, right. So I decided to join a join a club and um, and see what happened.
0: Wow, that's amazing! It's a it's a great road back to masters for me. I love that. And do you find when you're doing that now that you're um, <coughs> sorry, um, when you're doing that now that you're giving yourself recovery days in between those training sessions?
1: Um, I kind of need to be reminded to recover. Um, (laughs) If if I had my way, I think I'd I'd just love to swim all day. I I just, I love being in the water. But um, when I'm putting my sensible head on, I know. I I generally, what was working for me is I was swimming Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So Wednesday um, would either be a day off or go to work meetings or, you know, get those kind of things done or go to the gym, maybe do something in the gym. Um, and then Sunday was a complete day off.
0: Yes. Yeah. What I can't do
1: now is I, I can't swim twice in a day. I just, no. the, it's too much.
0: Yeah. And in in your two-hour sessions, what, what sort of average distance would you swim for the whole session? How many K? Um,
1: yeah, it really varies. Um, the club I'm at now, um, the guy that was coaching me for the first couple of years, um, he really it kind of created a quite an awesome swim sprint program. It wasn't kind of labeled as that because we've got some distance swimmers. Um, and very often we, we'd swim less than 4k in two hours. Um, and it was really a lot of speed and intensive work. Um, and the big nights of volume were the nights that I wasn't there and the mornings they would do volume as well. So it was a big emphasis on technique, um, and speed. Um, and i just i love doing technique work i think um you know ultimately as masters as we know we're going to get slower but it doesn't mean that your technique can't improve or you can't do things better and i think that's why being in a age group setup kind of appeals yeah because um, there's much more of a focus on that you know there's more coaches and there's there's more people more eyes looking at you and and the club i'm in we've got you know there's a, a girl there who came fourth in rio on the 200 breaststroke um We've got swimmers, international swimmers on breaststroke, a big legacy of it. So you know, I kind of, I've got some good eyes looking at what I'm doing. Um, Whereas I think a lot of master setups, they're generally you know volunteer coaches. Yes. um, More people in a lane. Sessions might be shorter, so there's more of an emphasis on you. You know, you've got to get in and get it done. Um, So I I just love that. um, I love that you know having those eyes watching, um, watching what I'm doing. and I really enjoy that. So he's he left last January and I've got a couple of different guys coaching me now. But one of them I do think is technically one of the best coaches I've ever worked with, um, which is, you know, which is exciting if we could actually get in the pool.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> I think that's a really valuable point that a lot of master swimmers could take on board, just the fact that don't forget you know, Don't sacrifice your technique and the drills that you can do to improve your stroke because you are going to get slower as you get older, and that's one way of, of, of sort of combating it by, you know, putting some focus into those drills. So <clears throat> sorry, I'm coughing away here. <clears throat> <laughs> <laughs> um, what I was going to ask you about your training, and I, I love to ask this to everyone I speak to, is um, what is your favourite set?
1: No, I knew you were going to ask for this. Um, I, I've listened <laughs> to all of your podcasts and I think oh, during love. lockdown it it forces me out to do an hour-long walk once a week and I and I listen to them and I don't know the answer Um, but uh, I do love the two kicks to one pole drill which I think your last guest or previous one before that had spoken about um, yeah, but, but the, the swimmers in my squad they know that I'm going to be smiling if it's a kick set or freestyle pull, which is a strange combination but those are my two favourite things. And um, I think one of the things I noticed that changed between my younger days of swimming and swimming now is that coaches seem to do these kick sets that last all night. I mean, who would have thought you'd do a you know a 2K kick set? I used to do the same kick set every single day at the same time of day, um, which was 10 100s, and we would do it every day, and that would be our chance to chat and look what was going on around pool deck. But now we don't do kick quite so often or it's kind of hidden uh the coaches seem to hide kick sets as you know you're not using your kickboard but you're kicking on your side and your back and underwater and all the rest of it um but monday night where i am now it's pretty much always a 2k kick set and i absolutely love it wow.
0: um
1: yeah i'd love that and yeah breaststrokers and, and kick i think um much better if you're in the sun of course but if you're indoors then it's still you know it's still pretty nice you can look around instead of looking at the the black line and the tiles you can see what's going on I think that's a bit of a novelty as a, a breaststroker but in terms of sets um I know that race pace is something at race pace is what what works for me right. um and Saturday mornings we train long course at the moment um well we don't train at all at the moment but um it's pretty much some variation of 30 50s at, at pace or approaching pace and you get up on a saturday morning and you know it's going to be horrible and painful but when you come home and you've done it, it it's great and i think that's what i rely on as if i can if i'm hitting pace in training then you've got the confidence when you stand behind a block it's nothing different because you know you've done it every week relentlessly
0: yes yeah absolutely what I wanted to have a bit of a talk about was the um five fina gold medals that you've won at the uh, world championships and I wanted to ask you what was your most memorable gold medal race that you've had in the past few years
1: um well four of those are f- four of them are from Guangzhou um yeah. and the one is from Budapest um I don't know if I have a favorite and I, I went to Guangzhou, and it was, it was, you know, Guangzhou, South Korea, who goes to South Korea? And I think that's, what's great about, about master swimming is, you know, it's somewhere I never would have gone. Um, but my mum had died um, not long before and going to Gwangju to try and win four gold medals, which was my, my aim kind of turned into a bit of a, you know, a weight to carry around for a little while. Um, and, I, I have a little bit of an obsession with times. I, I have a stat memory and, you know, when I was younger, I knew every single best time for every single swimmer on the club, but and that's just how I am. So I, I decided to not really focus on times, which was not, it's very alien for me and just try and do what I needed to do to win those four golds. So really it was when I touched the wall on the last day uh, in the last event and won the final or well, the fourth gold medal, it was the culmination, I think, of having achieved that, all four, you know, get the all four, which was the aim. And the last race was actually a British record, which was held by uh, Maggie, who I've mentioned a few times already. It was one of her records. Right. Uh, and she's an Olympic silver medalist, so um, I have a lot of respect for everything she ever achieved in her lifetime as a swimmer. So it was I think it was the biggest smile that lasted multiple days that I'd achieved four gold medals and broken that record at the end of a week and actually swam. Um, actually swam quite fast in that 50, but I was pushed all the way by Karen Key, who was in second, who's a good friend. Um, and, yeah, it was just all smiles. And Karen and I went back to the apartment and uh, drank champagne with everyone else, and it was great.
0: Well, oh, that's a great thing about master swimming, isn't it? The friendships outside of the pool. You can still be super competitive in your races, But just having that lovely friendship and with people around the world and countrymen and um, all the people you get to meet, I think that's one of the best things about our master's community.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, And you look at where the next few world masters are going, and I know I don't really want to go to Russia and I'm not overly excited about going to Doha. Um, I think master's events maybe should be in um, bigger tourist type cities um, that are a bit more equipped for. 10,000 swimmers turning on that want to yeah. go to restaurants and, um, you know, Doha, I don't know anything about it, but, you know, it's a a new city that's been built in a desert. Um, but, you know, I'll go because that's, that's where I'm going to see all of these wonderful people that I've met. Um, and, you know, even, I mentioned Karen Key, who was second in, in um, Guanju to me, I mean, she lives in Dubai. She's, she's British and, we didn't really swim against each other much in Britain before she moved over there, but it's kind of crazy that you've got to go halfway around the world to meet somebody that you should really be able to see at home. But yeah. um, so I think it's that camaraderie, and it's like, hey, are you going? Are you going? Yeah, I'm going. You know, oh, let's all go. Um, and I and, you know I love watching the older the older swimmers. Um, yeah, and you know we have some great breaststroke swimmers here, like female breaststrokers in there. 70s and 60s and and then um, we're kind of you know we all do look out for each other to an extent and you know we've been messaging each other during covid just to to check that we're all still motivated in some way and getting on with it and that we're all healthy um you know, one of our british sort of masters Barresters has caught covid in march um and we're all pretty worried she's in her 80s and she just had a hip replacement but Right. Uh you know, eventually I got a photo through on WhatsApp of uh, you know, Muriel sitting on a turbo trainer in her conservatory wearing a beanie hat, which sort of <laughs> sort of reminded me of a triathlete trying on some sort of, you know, weight loss, extreme <laughs> training program. And she'd just come out of hospital with COVID. So, I, you know, <laughs>
0: you I, I, love all, I
1: love all of that.
0: You can't keep a good master swimmer down, can
1: you? No, no, you absolutely can't. So, I, you know, I just... Um, I don't know if there'll be any Masters events in this country this year, but I just think it's going to be brilliant, that first meet where we can all turn up and see what shape everyone's in and how everyone's doing and, and actually just get in the water and swim.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I don't think we're going to have um, anything here in Victoria for a while either, although we've got some meets around Australia that are scheduled to happen, but I just like um, get, everything gets put on the calendar and then gets cancelled. So it's just mm. a matter, of, I suppose, of everyone getting vaccinated. Really, it's our only hope out of this situation. And once we're all back, you know, vaccinated around the world, then I suppose things will open up again, and we'll all be able to travel around to masters meets.
1: Yeah, that's the hope, isn't it? It's and um, I don't. Um, we've got to put our faith in the scientists and. You know as badly as Britain's done during the whole crisis with the, the the numbers of people that you see on the news every day that are dying it's hard to even get your head around it at all but we do seem to have done a decent job with the vaccine rollout so yes, fingers crossed do. it's it's going to it's going to be what we want it to be and actually enable us to to, to get back out there. Um, we're supposed to be the European Masters in, in Budapest in May and they haven't said anything yet but there's absolutely no way i mean we've got a travel ban nobody yeah. wants us brits uh you know <laughs> i think any any country wants any of us flying in so um probably probably until a few weeks ago i was kind of thinking well if it's on i'll, I'll, I'll go and and I'll, and I'll swim and i'll enjoy it in budapest a beautiful city but uh, you know as time goes on when we hear here we're not in the pool probably until the earliest april then you can't really justify trying to fly to hungary a month later to to actually race it just would be not very practical and i don't i don't think it's going to happen so i'm sure we'll hear from them fairly soon that that's going to be off
0: yes would if that um if the final worlds go ahead in japan next year is that something that you would look at um traveling out to
1: yeah definitely um i mean there is a question mark over what will happen with the Europeans, um, whether they'll push it into next year, but there is a European elite champs in Rome next year, whether they would combine that with a master's event. I don't know, because Rome's a beautiful city. Um, But, uh, you know, you are going to a race in Europe, be a lot less expensive um, and easier to get to. But I do, I would like to go back to Japan. I swam there in 95. I think it's even the same pool. That oh, I raced no. in uh, that the masters yep. is um so I would like to go back. i did um I did enjoy being in japan in ninety five yeah. yeah. um, so I don't know I mean it's it's all a bit up in the air, isn't it? it's I think yes. the the a side effect of of lockdown is you you generally – have stopped thinking ahead too much other than what's for dinner um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and I did draw the menu board before calling you this morning so it's pizza friday <laughs> again which is a lockdown tradition it's pizza friday number 4510 i think <laughs> oh,
0: um, That sounds nice though i like a I i like a good pizza
1: yeah we did go to japan a couple of nights ago actually we had teriyaki salmon and uh japanese salad so we do travel the world from the dining room so that, that you know that's as good as it gets and i think yeah uh i'd like to go to japan i change age groups next year so it's always a big attraction always good um yes yeah um, although I'm kind of sad that um this age group has been a bit a bit disrupted with you know moving clubs and then um we've had a lot of ill health in our family um both sides of the family and so yeah it's kind of been a bit up and down obviously mum died um in 2019 um, and then we've gone into lockdown. But, you know, there's been periods where I've been swimming really, really quick and then not had the opportunity to race. Yeah. So it's that kind of frustration, isn't it, that actually definitely. there's there's still some good times in there in this age group, but I've got until December and then that's it. So. And that's it. Well, hopefully
0: you'll have some time to race before then. Let's keep our fingers crossed.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: <laughs> I wanted to um also ask you a little bit about your... Um, professional career as a sports consultant um, tell me a little bit about that
1: yeah I mean I think I I mentioned I've mentioned that I'm, I am a complete mm. swim geek particularly when it comes to times and um, when I finished swimming um, the chairman of our swimming club was working at British Swimming and she knew about my obsession with times and they needed the national rankings database sorting out because it was being used for selecting national teams and it wasn't accurate and she knew that I could probably just look at it and fix it which is what I did and then um I worked with them working on that database um but I was really keen when I got there they they, you know the the organization had no website and I kept saying I'll build you a website come on let's let's modernize let's do these things and I was keen to try everything so I started writing for the magazine I suspect that my first few articles were dreadful but they were very (laughs) polite and the editor tidied them up and um so I really got into writing there um, and enjoyed that, um, which is something I've carried on doing. So I was there for a couple of years, um, and then I worked for a, a proper um, blue chip IT type company, which I found really dull. And then I set my own sports consultancy up, doing all sorts of things. Um, it, it's it's kind of something you know. Sometimes you'll do things because someone's offering you a contract that you know, working for the Greyhound Trust, trying to teach people that greyhounds don't like hoovers was one thing we did. But, um, you know, I've done some cool stuff. I interviewed Ian Thorpe. Um, He came up to Nottingham, which is where I am. Who has Ian Thorpe come to where they live for an interview rather than the other way around? But um, Ian Thorpe got the train from London to Nottingham. I met him at the station.
0: Yes.
1: Um, And I was going to arrange a taxi. So we were doing this interview at Nottingham Castle. And um, he said, no, no, let's walk. So I walked through the city with Ian Thorpe and not a single person recognised him. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, it was kind of nervous small talk on that walk. It's like, hey, Ian Thorpe, you're just about the greatest swimmer at that time. Um, Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, this is just little me trying to walk you through Nottingham without getting you run over by cars on one of the busiest streets in the whole of Europe. But (laughs) um, yeah, that was cool. Um, And then um, kind of the last 10 years i worked um at british triathlon so i worked a lot with the Brownie brothers um uh got to travel a lot with them which was really interesting sort of seeing how an elite um kind of performance setup works you know that everyone's got their job roles and everyone understands their job roles of how they contribute towards performance um i absolutely loved it you know you are sitting around chatting to to coaches and different practitioners um it was such a great learning experience and I had my role and I did my role um and I sat above the finishing line at London 2012 when Alistair won and Johnny was second which is just you know what an opportunity it's um yeah. and you know my own swimming career I tried to make the Olymp- I went to Olympic trials in 92 and came fourth and they took the first two um and you know I always thought I love you know I'll do another Olympic trials that's fine I never did for one reason or another but I think you know being older um a lot of the opportunities that you think you'll never get because you miss out on them in the pool you can get them later in life through work or you know travel you you can earn money and pay to travel it's you know you don't need to be selected for a, a team to travel um so I think that was quite nice um and I went to Rio um the test event in 2015 rather than the actual games, but um, yeah, Rio was a fantastic experience, so just kind of being in that environment, um, and then I also was designing FINA approved swimwear for Blue 70. Okay, um, which again was a great insight. I met some interesting people, um, doing that, went out to Hong Kong, uh, and the whole t- design process in China is just insane. Um, the whole culture is insane, and and Hong Kong, uh, it's just a fantastic city. I'm not sure now uh, there's a lot more unrest, but I was lucky to go
0: yeah.
1: before all yeah, that sure. happened. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a there's a ton of swimming pools in Hong Kong. Um, it's a really big swimming city. Um, I, I, I wasn't swimming properly when I was there. I was just testing suits, but you know these complexes they've got are incredible. Um, so yeah, I've had a very, very, very varied working career. Um, now, um, I'm not doing so much. Obviously sport isn't happening very much. Um, it's just kind of given me a bit of time to, to look at what I want to do in the future. So I'm doing some online courses, sports nutrition. Um, and I'm, I work with a friend of mine that we swam together since we were 10 um has a company that organizes triathlons so i do a lot of his his promotional work um i look after his social media channels right um do a lot of the media at the events um so and that's really varied as well so yeah it's been um it's it's kind of crazy to look back all the things that uh, have happened over the last 20 years since i started working yeah oh it's
0: mean, that's, a, that's a huge career i love the fact that you've you've been able to stay so close to swimming and to sport and you know put all of your knowledge back into all the different things you've done I think that's a it's a lovely outcome and, and obviously yeah. involved in master swimming as well
1: yeah I think um you know my my dad uh, they were pretty good when I finished my a-levels they let me have a year off just to swim which was the Olympic year in 92 but um and he always used to say you're going to get a proper job what are you going to do and I did say to him a few years, look, you know, I've never really had a job interview because I've mainly just been given opportunities or offered opportunities because of people that I've met through swimming. Um, And that's really powerful. And um, I feel really fortunate to be, to be in that position that I, I wouldn't say I drift from thing to thing. And, you know, there's, there's definitely more of a plan than, than drifting around, but, um, you know, swimming has created so many opportunities to travel the world and to meet people and, different things I've done in my working life have all come through having been a swimmer I think
0: yes yeah absolutely I can definitely relate I also missed out on um, Commonwealth Games team back in 86 and although it was crushing at the time I think you know having that grounding and swimming to start with and then I ended up sort of becoming a PE teacher and like I'm very involved in swimming coaching and teaching at that level and and obviously in master swimming so i've sort of been able to use that love of swimming elsewhere maybe not in my own you know competitive career but just in my working life and i i think it's it's really enriched that and i think you know that's the lovely thing about swimming that's why i love speaking yeah. to people like you and and all the other people i i speak to on the podcast because I think not only are they swimmers and not only are you a swimmer, you're able to sort of push that out into other parts of your life and that's where it helps as well.
1: Yeah, I think and a big part of that is learning to deal with disappointment and realising you'll be okay if you have a bad swim. You don't quite achieve what you wanted to to achieve. It's actually if you look at your career as being not just a few years but potentially... Yeah, you don't want to say to a kid who's had a bad swim you're going to be swimming for your whole life because they're they not yeah. going to listen to that but um actually them being able to see that um it's not all over um yeah. certainly you know I, I I'm always really disappointed when particularly boys give up when they get to kind of 19 because you think you've not even got your man strength yet it's no I've seen so many young guys in their early 20s just gain so much strength and power and really sort of move forward with their swimming, but not, not that many get to that age. Um, it's just too many other things. Um, you know, if they have, I think there's a bit of a mentality. If they haven't made it or got to a state, a level where they can get funding or they're on a team that, you know, they've, they've missed the boat, which is, it's kind of sad. Yeah. And yeah. It is
0: kind of sad.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think girls, it's a little different. I think they can reach high level at a younger age but but even so it's you know sticking with it through your early 20s or at least seeing it through going to college and, and you know maybe a year on or so from there that you can get a lot of benefit you can have a lot of success at that age
0: yes yeah absolutely well Helen thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us today it's been a delight getting to know you and learning about your swimming career and your professional life and um, Best wishes for coming out of lockdown as soon as possible so that you can get back into the
1: water. Thank you very much. And it's been a a real pleasure spending my morning talking about swimming and I think you're doing a a great job with the the podcast and I certainly enjoy listening to them. So keep up the good work.
0: Oh, thank you so much. Okay, bye now. All right, take care. Take care, Bob. Thank you for listening in today. We hope you're enjoying our podcast here at Torpedo Swim Talk. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple or Spotify so you never miss an episode. Like, rate, share and spread the word. Till next time, goodbye and happy swimming.